You are listening to The Hip Hop Show on Sin 90.7 and we have an enormous treat for our first week into the season. We have an underground Brooklyn legend. We have probably the most studious rapper in the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> today we are, we are interviewing the legend Master Ace. Master Ace, how are you? What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Very well. Very, very well. Um, and so where are you calling from at the moment? I'm in New Jersey. Uh, I live in Jersey now. I moved, I moved from Brooklyn in 2006. I'm chilling in my bedroom talking to you guys. <laughs> very nice. Yeah, that's wait. Awesome. So just to start off, um, you've been seen as a gatekeeper for the integrity in hip-hop for decades. I'd like to know, beyond the music, what is it about hip-hop that makes you hold it to such a high regard and make you value it so highly? I think it's because I came up in hip-hop when it was in its infancy stages. I got to see it turn from just a, a DJ-driven phenomenon that only happened outdoors in the neighborhood parks to to a, a business um, uh, where mm. the rapper became the most important you know piece to that puzzle and um so seeing it seeing it when it as it developed is why i'm so attached to you know those original core values that i thought hip-hop was grounded in and so I, you say gay gatekeeper that's <laughs> i that's guess right. I, I guess that's a good way to put it um I just kind of put give my give my opinion on, you know, the landscape as I see it. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think were the most important things to make that transition from, you know, the MC just being a DJ's partner more or less to um, them being the focal point? I think the lyricism became it became important. It became just about because originally all the MC was doing was just kind of keeping the crowd engaged. Yep. and what the DJ was doing and then when when the when the MCs started to add little nursery rhymes to what mm. they were doing and uh, it became a more entertaining uh, feature for the live crowds and so the, the transition kind of happened as I guess rappers were trying to fill or MCs were trying to fill fill empty space as the DJ was trying transitioning records or when the breaks yeah. to certain records came on there was an opportunity for the MC to do something to fill in that that space and that's what they would do and that's how the transition happened yeah certainly yeah and um fast track almost 40 years now um do you think there's something missing from those old values today in the modern day landscape of hip-hop i mean i understand that you know the music is going to evolve um i I think the one, the one important value that should should never go away is the idea of being talented and skilled. Mm. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a mic in your hand or have the audience's attention, um, that whatever you're saying needs to be something that people can hear it, see that it's skill involved, mm. um, and and walk away with something. Um, I just feel like now we're kind of at the at an era and age where you don't have to be skillful. You don't even have to be talented as long as you have a yeah. a catchy song mm. that that's all that people focus in on. And 
you know, I think the dumbing down of hip hop is what I'm most worried about. Okay, so you, are those your sort of thoughts forming on the industry at the moment? Do you think there are, you know, there is still a lot of that skill, or do you think overall, um, you know, we're not looking as good? <laughs> no, there's there's still there's still plenty of skilled skilled artists out there, skilled rappers that are putting it down, you know, the right way. I just feel like, and maybe this is just because I'm in the New York area, the tri-state area. You know, the music, the music that I hear on the radio doesn't necessarily reflect that all the time. Yeah. Um, that that it's easier to kind of play the lowest common denominator music, um, and and not feed the better uh, the better lyrical uh, performances to the masses, and and I think that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It does seem that uh, lyrics and flow don't really sell as much as they used to. Um, that it's become very uh, MC-based, based on the rapper, and it's more about the image of the persona. But with you, uh, your lyrics are so so dense and so meaningful, and a lot of your albums are very concept-heavy, like chronicling yeah. your journey through life and through your education and through your school. And I um, just wanted to know, like, what comes first for you? Do you start with the concept for the album and let the songs kind of spawn from it? Or do you do you have the concept? Uh, do you write the tracks first and let the kind of concept form around it? No, I usually develop the songs first. Oh, right. Um, and as the songs start to take shape, I start thinking about how those songs would fit into a concept for an album, and that's usually how it goes. That's that's always how it has gone for me. Is the, Right. I, I get a I get a bunch of songs recorded first, and then I start figuring out how those how those songs like puzzle pieces would mm-hmm. fit together, yeah. you know, in in a, in a storyline of an album. Yeah, you create a, a nice little narrative, and uh, a lot of the narratives are based on your history through education. And I just want to know, like, it's it's a ma- it seems to be a major focal point for a lot of your your work, and I just want to know how important was that to your music. No, it was very important, man. Um. I was the neighborhood that I grew up in. A lot of my friends and these guys I hung out hung out with every day. Um, they didn't have the same, I guess, mentor mentoring in their households as I did. And so, mm-hmm. I was always raised that you know school and education was important. That you had to do a good job uh, in, in in the classroom. And so, I that's just the way I carried myself throughout my youth. Um, but not everybody that I was around had the same. Right. you know, feelings about school. And so mm. it was a very delicate balance, you know, sort of trying to navigate through friendships in the neighborhood and being who I was, which was a kid that liked school and wanted to excel in school and wanted to make his mother and grandmother yeah. proud of him. You know, that was a difficult uh, time period for me. That's why I wrote the song Young Black Intelligent, which yeah. is kind of tell that, you know, that struggle. Yeah, certainly. And, and so it was... Do you think mostly your your mother who had that main influence on you caring about you know your schooling and education? Yeah, my mother was 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 definitely the biggest influence. Definitely, my grandmother had a, played a part as well. Yep. Um, and I had a teacher in seventh grade, Mrs. Fulton, who hmm. um, she was just a different. I never met uh, anybody like her, uh, and she basically told it told us exactly what we were going to be facing the world that we lived in she was she was really upfront with us about 
you know, that we were up against it, that as, as young black males, that it was going to be a difficult road for us. And if we didn't learn how to, you know, uh, think for ourselves and, 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 and compete, you know, intellectually that we weren't going to make it. And just mm. some, it was amazing that, that she came across my, my path. I thanked her on my very first album on the, on the credits. I thanked her because she, she had a huge, uh, you know, impact on me with her messages. Yeah. With me being 13, 14 years old or 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Miss Fulton. <laughs> yeah. Word. Absolutely. And also, um, you know, your, your shout out to your mother, Yvonne, um, on Son of Yvonne. I found that really quite powerful how you're saying, you know, she's the, the most influential figure in your life. Um, and yeah, on that album, you know, you you got in a bit of trouble for um, stealing her records. So um, we want to dig through a couple of your records at the moment and um, just ask, you know, if if you've got a particular favourite artist or song um, right now that you're loving and, yeah, that we'd be able to play for everyone to be able to hear. Oh, you mean like just something new and current that they're playing on the radio like or, that? What? Not, not, not necessarily, oh. just any song that you want the listeners right now to hear oh yo um i would say earth wind and fire man um because <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that was that my funk. that was my mom's favorite group she had the most albums that, earth wind and fire was a group that she had the most uh a- albums by yep so uh yeah i would say something by earth wind and fire man um man so many um <laughs> That's tough. Um, Let's groove. September. The hardest decision he's ever had to make. <laughs> I know. It's tough. I'm trying to think of the name. I'm trying to think of the title of this one particular song. Um, and we will live together until the 12th of never. Oh, yeah. We no, all no, will no, live no. long forever. As one. I equally know the lyrics, but yeah, not the title. <laughs> um, um, oh, it's called Fantasy. It's called Fantasy. You Fantasy. Right. You beauty. All right. Okay. Well, here we go, guys. We're going to listen to Fantasy by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, by request of Master Ace. By request of the Master Ace. You're on the Sin Hip Hop Show. So that was Earth, Wind, and Fire Fantasy. You're back on the Sin Hip Hop Show, 90.7 FM. We're speaking to Master Ace, the Master Ace, the legend of the underground. All right, and Appreciate it, y'all. I Thanks just want to start delving into your album, The Falling, Se- Falling Season. That album seems like a, a deep dive, not, e- not only into your adolescence and childhood, but into the environment and lifestyle in Brooklyn. What made you this far into your career want to look back and reflect on these times? Um, I, I wanted to tell my story. I, I, I mean, I really wanted to be as autobiographical as possible on this album. You know, yeah. Disposable Arts, Long Hot Summer, those were more fictional kind of... I mean, they, there was some 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 biographical p- components to those albums, but overall, the, uh, the characters on those albums and the scenarios on those albums were, while, while based on, you know, real-life incidents, weren't autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And the falling season was my chance to just do a completely, my first time really doing a completely autobiographical, um, you know, story, telling an autobiography on an album for, for myself. Um, yeah. Just so that people would know my journey. Um, 
the high school years for myself, I can think that's where I kind of decided who I was going to be in this world. Mm. And um, yeah. I, re- I realized as an adult, I realized that it was that age that one or two decisions differently in my life would have been a total would have been completely different like there were there were a couple of incidents that happened during that age that i I think to this day what if i had done that instead would i be here would i be alive would i be in jail uh would i be a criminal running around brooklyn robbing people like yeah yeah and so i wanted to talk about that because i know that there was there's a lot of young people that are going to be coming up in that same time period in their lives with tough decisions to make. Yeah. And that's, you say that in, um, is it young black intelligent, just like a lot of right decisions and a small wrong one and like everything goes wrong. And so, yeah, I think that definitely comes through. Did you find, um, the fact that it was actually autobiographical, that there was a different sense for you? Were you, um, did it feel more, well, did it feel any different from your other, um, storytelling albums, but, the fact that it was actually true and happened to you way more emotional yeah. yeah there were there were there were a few times during during the studio sessions recording where i had to excuse mm. myself in tears listening to the story yeah, and, wow. and 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 it, it, you know the story taking me back to really that time in my life my mother's alive my grandmother's alive mm. i'm 14 years old i'm you know and yeah, it it just it just really rang rang through like the way I remember it, and so yeah, incredible amount of, of of emotion attached to those songs. I think you probably could hear it in some of the songs even. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. just hearing you say that just makes the themes of the album more prominent. Like you really delve into issues of mental health and the struggle associated with that. Was it a conscious effort to tackle these sort of themes? And why did you feel it was important to highlight them? Because I was seeing it around me at that time of my life. I was mm. seeing uh, friends, friends' parents going through uh, these difficulties all around me. And I wanted to paint as as accurate a picture as I could of that time in my life and so that's why you see those kinds of touches those are all in there for a reason because these are things that i was surrounded by Mm, yeah certainly you know it's it's such a like it certainly makes the concept so much realer when you're describing this here as you having seen it all around you um with i think my favorite song on the falling season is me and ag oh yeah um and now you were saying about the album that um, that Kick Beats produced the entire album. Um, Correct. How, and so and obviously you used all all of um well, Master sorry MF, Doom. MF Doom's <laughs> special herbs on um, on Son of Yvonne. Do you? Yeah. Uh, how do you find sort of the creative processes with a single producer on an album? These are those two projects are my first attempts at doing that. Uh, yeah, I never tried it before. I've I've always been more. I always felt like I needed <clears throat> multiple producers and sounds mm. to really accurately tell the story. But the 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 MF Doom project was my first attempt at it, and 
Um, I kind of liked it. it what, the beats weren't really tailored for me. Those are like beats that had come out before. So yep. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it in a more true way. Uh, and and so I did it on Fallen Season with Kick Beats, and yep. it was my first time really trying it out. And I thought I, I feel like it's a lot. It's a little bit easier because I'm not having to communicate with eight different people about different tracks. I, I'm, all my communication is with one person, and mm. any adjustments that need to be made, I only have to get on the on the same page with one other person. So that makes it a, a lot easier. Um, yeah. And I guess doing that project has inspired me to go a step further. And I'm doing the, I'm in the studio now working with Marco Polo on uh, the new mm. project that'll be out this spring. Damn. Yes, happy awesome. days, so good. And um, and you were saying that yeah, Kick wasn't too sample heavy in in his sample production. Well, sorry, in his production, but it sort of sounds like samples. With that said, that's part of the reason I think why I love me and AG a lot is because there's the sample of. Um, uh, ESG UFO, and that's that's used in Jay Diller's Geek Down. Are you, or is it, or Kick Beats big Diller fans? Both are. Yep. He might be even he might be even more so so than me because he's a producer. But yeah. I love I love Diller, and it, I, we were supposed to work together like early in in, in my first year working at, at when I was signed to Delicious Vinyl. He was always around because he was producing stuff for the Far Side. Yep. And he was always he was always around and he, you know, wanted to do some music together. And it's so crazy because, you know, when you're when you're young and you just move in and stuff's going on and you you know, you're being an artist and you're traveling and moving around and people you cross paths with people, it's so easy to just kinda like get you know, just like, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, no doubt. We'll do it one yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that I know the feeling. And just you you don't realize at the time how important that moment might be mm. and you just you figure oh it'll happen at, one, at some point or whatever mm. yes yeah, certainly and it doesn't happen uh, before we get to your tour dates and whatnot a song i gotta ask you've obviously collaborated with a legendary roster of mcs and producers a roster that you no doubt belong on uh including mf doom which i know we're all big mf doom nerds over huge, here huge huge <laughs> <laughs> uh in terms of how much you gained and how successful the approach was who was I know it might be hard to pick, but your favorite artist that you've collabed with? Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I got to really think about this. <laughs> um, favorite artist I've collabed with. It's probably Wordsworth and, and Strickland because we we spent, we, you know, I didn't really know those guys when I asked them to be on my Disposable Arts album. Mm. I didn't know them that well. I knew them. I mean, I knew who they were. We had, but I asked them to be on Disposable Arts album, and then we turned around and went on tour together uh, in 2001 for the very first time. I'm on a row with guys that I, you know, barely know. And that turned into, you know, tw almost twenty-year friendships mm. that 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 last to this yeah. day. So I guess those are my favorite guys because we we from two thousand and one to to now we still we still connecting dots. We put did mm. the EMC group and and all of that stuff. So I'll pick my brothers Wordsworth and Strickland. 
Awesome. Nice. All right, so guys, you can see Master Ace on Saturday 10th of March at the Howler, followed by Sunday 11th of March in conversation at Brunswick Mechanics Institute, and then Monday 12th of March at the Jazz Lab. And tickets, I believe, on... Where can we find your tickets, Master Ace, and where can we find more about you on your social media and whatnot? Oh, yeah. I, social media, I'm on Instagram, Master Ace Picks, P-I-C-S. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, it's just at Master Ace. Facebook is just Master Ace Official. And uh, I'm posting the uh, the flyers and posters for those shows on all of my social media. So there'll be information on the flyers to w- where to find tickets, et cetera. Yeah. Awesome. Well, believe us, we're going to come and see you yeah, we'll um, when you're coming to Melbourne. Thank you so much. For being with us, the legendary Master Ace. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Cheers. Thanks very much. Later.